Hello again, and welcome to Landy's Taiwan Diaries. Very good to have you with us. I'm glad you took the time to tune in. Now, my name is Celia Landman, but most people just call me Landy. Today, I'm going to talk about transportation in Taiwan. Now, you might think, oh no, that's, that's going to be boring. I'm going to um, I'm going to listen to some music, but trust me, I have one or two stories that you would like. So I'm going to start with when I came to Taiwan more than 27 years ago. The transportation, um, first I'm just going to talk about the city of Taipei, okay, because that's where I arrived. Transportation in the city of Taipei was not as good as it is now. You might remember back in our first or second episode, I told you that Taiwan is now a first world country and the capital Taipei is a first world city with an extensive metro system and bus lanes and so on. So let's go back now to 1994. Now, in 1994, when you came to Taiwan as a new teacher, because most of the people I knew were teachers here, as soon as you had a little bit of money, you bought a motorbike. That was the way to get around. The buses were unreliable. The metro was not there. In Taiwan, they call it motorcycles. It's not really true. It's actually scooters because they have no gears. But there are also little motorcycles. And I always had a little motorcycle or a little motorbike, 125 cc. In those days, there was nothing bigger than 150cc. That was the biggest. If you had a 150cc motorbike, you were the main peanut in the packet. So, But most people had a 50cc or a 100cc scooter. So after, I think it was like two or three weeks, I got my first uh, paycheck. And off I went to the second-hand motorbike area. And I got a, I got a nice um, little motorbike. I believe it was a 124cc. And there I went. I was in seventh heaven. There was no helmets required, so you could just go everywhere with your with your little motorbike. And you could pick up a friend because you didn't have to carry an extra helmet with you. Of course, it was very dangerous, but it was a lot of fun. Now, the drivers in Taiwan, let's just say when the traffic light turns red, many of them don't stop yet. Quite a few will run over the red traffic light. Maybe that's why when the traffic light turns green, nobody goes immediately because they know a few more cars will cross over. So we had a rule in those days. And the rule was when you are at a red traffic light on your little motorbike, that there's the 3-2-1 rule. Now the 3-2-1 rule was when the light turns green, don't go. First wait for three motorbikes to go, or two yellow taxis, or one big black Mercedes Benz. Then you can go, then it's safe. So that was, that's what we called the 3-2-1 rule. That's when it's safe to cross a traffic light. And we survived. I think it's a miracle that uh, I personally survived all my years of driving a motorbike. Now I don't anymore because the public transport is so good that I don't feel I need it. But I did some very stupid things on my little motorbike, like going out at night to the pub and then riding the thing home. And uh, even taking areas where bikes are not allowed to go, just jumping on that little elevated section of the expressway and charging home at 3 a.m. And uh, we always had a defense mechanism. We said, okay, if we get stopped by the police, we just speak English because the policeman might be a little nervous to speak English to us. So that was our plan always. If you get stopped, just pretend you know no Chinese and you just speak English. I remember one night, it was probably 2, 3 a.m. and I went home and I went over a red light. And I was surprised that there will be a policeman on duty at 3 a.m., but he jumped out from behind the car and he stopped me. So I just sat there and I looked straight ahead. Now I feel a little bit ashamed of what I did, but 
that's what I did. So I sat there, looked straight ahead, and he said, uh, <laughs> he said in English, he said, license, please. And the moment he, he spoke English, my whole plan crumbled, right? So <laughs> what now? First of all, I didn't have a motorbike license. I had the registration for the motorbike, but no license. So I, I didn't have a plan B. So I just continued to sit on my bike and stare straight ahead. So, and the guy said again, license. And I, I think he felt sorry for me after a while. He, I think he knew he caught me out. So finally, he just tapped me on the shoulder, pointed to the traffic light, and he said, look, green, go, red, stop, okay? I said, okay. He said, okay, you can go. So he was, a, he was a nice guy, and I got home safely that night. But uh, yeah, that's, that's how we, uh, like I say, it's a miracle that I, I never had an accident on my little motorbike. The, the only problem, the funny thing is I had two motorbikes in my life here, and both of them, when it rained, after I'd, I had uh, ridden on the road for a while, on the wet road, the engines would cut out, and I would be stranded. And then no matter where I was, I had to park my bike, continue onwards by bus or whatever, and then I had to go back when it was dry to retrieve my bike. And that was a little bit irritating, but it's funny that both my motorbikes did that. Anyway, so I just wanted to share some motorbike stories with you. Even today, there are still thousands and thousands and thousands of scooters and motorbikes on the, on the roads here in Taiwan. I remember, again, I mentioned this before, my family came to visit me, and at one traffic light, my sister said, wow, look at all those scooters. And I said, no. That's not a lot. You should be here at 8 a.m. when everybody goes to work. Then you'll see a lot of scooters. It's a sea. It's a sea of scooters. So they are still around. It makes them a little easier. But of course, now everybody wears helmets and um, drive a little bit more safely. Okay, after the, the motorbikes, I thought I will move on and talk a little bit about the metro system. In one of the, I think it was the first or the second episode, I told you that the first metro line went from the Taipei train station north to a city called Danshui. That was not really true. Actually, there was another line, which we called the Brown Line or the Mucha Line. That was actually the first one. It's an elevated uh, MRT, as we call it, the MRT, the Metro. It was elevated and it, it's different from all the other lines because this one was designed to make very sharp turns. So the carriages are very short and it doesn't actually run on tracks. It runs on rubber wheels. But that one was the first one. It had many, many problems during its uh, trial period. And even af afterwards, I remember one teacher once was late for work in my school. And she said, the train stopped between stations. And they had to get off and walk to the next station. But that was the, the first line that opened. And then the next one was the one I told you about from the train station going north. And after that, every few years, they opened another line or an extension. So that now we have an incredibly extensive metro system. Interesting about the Taipei metro system. By the way, they also have a, a metro system in the southern city of Kaohsiung and also in a city in the middle of Taichung. They have a very limited metro system. But Taipei is the main one because there are so many people here. Now, I came to Taiwan from London. London has the oldest metro in the world. Most stations are old. The trains are hot. I remember my good friend Peter in London used to say, oh, the winter is horrible. It's so cold outside. We put on these layers and layers of clothing. And then we go down to the stations. We have to take all these layers of layers of clothing off because it's so hot down there, right? Now, in Taiwan, it is heaven because the metro has air conditioning. So the moment you step into a station, it's not a station that is above ground, but below ground, there's air conditioning. And... Um, I've been known in the really hot weekends 
to save some money on my electricity bill by not turning on my, my air conditioning, I ride the metro all around the city and read my book on the metro because it's so comfortable. I don't think many people do that, but, uh, but I've been known to do that. So the metro is really, really great, and it can take you almost everywhere. Of course, not everywhere. And um, another thing that's interesting about the Taiwan metro is that there's no eating or drinking. So it's really clean, and it's being kept clean. You can see the cleaners all the time, everywhere. The cleaners are always cleaning, and it's a really pleasant ride on the Taipei metro. Another interesting thing that happens to me on the metro is that most metro seats have two seats next to each other. But rarely that will a Taiwan person sit down next to me. Maybe I'm a scary foreigner with long hair and a beard. I don't know. On the other hand, as my friend Lee mentioned once before, he says, if he sees a foreigner, he will also not sit down next to him. So, so maybe the local people and us foreigners have the same feeling. We just don't want to sit next to a, another foreigner. Can I just mention here that Taiwan doesn't have that many foreigners. It's not a city like, like, like maybe Tokyo or London that's very... There's a lot of racial diversity. It's not like that. There are very few foreigners, comparatively speaking. So if I take the metro, it's an exception if I see another foreigner on the metro. It's mostly just Taiwan people. And then if I see another foreigner, I will most likely avoid him. That's just the way it is. <laughs> no, no, uh, no ill feeling. But the, it seems to me like the, the, the locals feel the same way. I remember another time I was sitting, reading my book. I always read my book on the metro when I go to work. And I heard from far away somebody shouting, Sir, Sir, in English. And the voice was coming closer and closer. I was not looking up, going, Sir, Sir. And finally there in front of me stood a young man. And I looked up from my book. And he shouted as loudly as he could. He said, Sir, how are you? <laughs> and I didn't really know how to react. And I nodded my head and continued reading. Because maybe the first time it happens when you are new to Taiwan, you think it's kind of cool, but after a while, it's not so cool. And you don't want to be rude, right? So you kind of acknowledge them. And also what happens sometimes on the metros is that a parent with a little child who studies in a language school, a parent will see you sitting there and they will tell the child, go there and say hello to the foreigner. And that, that can get a little bit irritating, you know? So, but you don't want to be rude to the child, so you, you say hello. This reminds me, just before I continue on to a, a different part of the transportation, in the beginning in Taiwan, many high school teachers and university English teachers, they thought it was the good idea to give a certain assignment to their students. And the assignment is, you must interview a foreigner on the street and you have to record. Later when they got uh, cell phones, they had to record it. So in the beginning, when you're new here and a student come up to you and say, excuse me, sir, can I ask you a few questions? You go, okay. And they say, where are you from? How long have you been here? What, you know, the normal questions. And these interviews, and then uh, later on they started when the uh, digital phones came out and digital video cameras, they had to videotape them and then they had to give it to their teacher. This is their assignment for the summer, you know. But once you've done this 10 or 20 or 30 times, it's not so much fun anymore. So recently, I've, I've taken the lead of my good friend, Lee, that I mentioned before. And when they approach me, I say, mm, tell your teacher to give you a different homework. So I'm not sure if that's, if that's very rude. But uh, anyway, that has seemed to be not so common anymore. All right, I can't finish talking about uh, transportation without talking about our high-speed rail, which uh, here in Taiwan we are very proud of. It runs from the northern city of Taipei to the southern city of Kaohsiung and they are planning an extension even further south. But this high-speed rail has done 
It travels at uh, incredible speeds and it is as smooth as you can think. And it is 99.9% .9 of the time exactly on time. And what it has done, it, it has made Taiwan even smaller. Because you can now, in the morning, wake up, you can go down to Kaohsiung for a business meeting, and you can be back for lunch if you want to, but definitely for dinner in your house if you live in Taipei. And the same from, from if you come from the south. And through the years, they have opened more and more stations. So if you, you have the choice, if you want to go to the southern station, you can just take the fastest train. It will make maybe two stops. But if you live in one of the other cities along the way, you have to take a different train that will make more stops. But it doesn't matter which one you take. It is enjoyable. Whenever I have to go somewhere for work, and I know that we're going to take the high-speed rail, I am excited. I like trains anyway. And when I can take the high-speed rail on business, I'm uh, as happy as you can imagine. Yeah, the high-speed rail is great. And if you ever come to Taiwan, I suggest that you, that you take it just for fun, even if you don't want to go to the south. Just go there and come back, just to feel how this fantastic um, engineering marvel, because the, the ride is so smooth. And once in a while, they will, up on the little screen, they will tell you how fast we are going, like 260 kilometers an hour or whatever it may be. Finally, before uh, we finish this, I see we are going a little bit long today. I want to talk a little bit about road transport. Now, Taiwan is not that big and many people have cars and motorbikes, so inevitably there will be traffic jams. And the worst kind is if you decide to go away for the weekend and on Sunday afternoon, for some reason, you were not smart enough to leave early, but you, you tried to come back around 4, 5, 6 p.m. You are going to be stuck on the highways. Taiwan has great highways, three, four lane highways. But on a Sunday coming back from the south to the north, you are going to be stuck in a traffic jam. So you just have to make peace with that. And most Taiwanese have. They just do it. They just sit in that traffic and they take it and they get home eventually. But in the cities, of course, also we have sometimes traffic jams. That's why now I kind of avoid the roads. And uh, if I do use road traffic, it will most likely be a bus. So I don't have to worry about um, sitting in traffic jams. So that's a few stories I wanted to share with you about transportation in Taiwan. I hope you enjoyed it and that you will join us again next time. And um, I think next time I'll talk a little bit about uh, things that are different in Taiwan that might give some people a culture shock, although I was lucky enough to not get a huge culture shock when I got here. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about that and it might even make you smile. So until we meet again next time, all the best and goodbye. <music>